0: The very first episode of the Talkin' Buds podcast dropped on October 2nd, 2018. The reason why I bring that up tonight, Ryan, is because in the 22 months that we've been doing this show, I don't think I've ever been more fired up to do an episode than I am right now. That gets me absolutely fired up. And on cue, P-B-R. Yeah, baby. Let's go. So, when we were teeing up this um, postseason, one of the things we continuously talked about is if the Leafs get eliminated, this city is going to go crazy. It's going to be Leafs Nation- Dialed up to a hundred, like nothing we've ever seen before, and that's exactly what has happened since Sunday night. And Ryan, I don't know about you, I've been on this roller coaster ride with everyone. I have thought about this team, up, down, and sideways, all aspects: the stars, the front office, the depth, the defense, the goaltending—you name it, I've thought about it. And I've been upset for one minute. I'm upset at the stars. Then the next minute, I'm upset at the crappy defense. Then the next minute, I'm upset at Kyle Dubas. And then the next minute, I'm upset at Freddie Anderson. And it's just been—it's been a roller coaster ride. Like I never remember in all my years being a Leaf fan, being this just like totally. It's totally taken over my mental and emotional well-being. This is the conversation I did not want to have. This is why I didn't want them to get dusted early is because this has been the conversation forever and I want to take this episode to try to leave my leaf past, my jaded past about everything that's happened to this team behind and try to analyze it as just a season to season type of thing and what they need to do to improve next year instead of bringing up the past. But it's really hard when they get dusted early and it's every year, it's just a conversation about a, a GM or a coach that needs to be fired or an owner or a player. And it's, we're back again. And it's like when they almost lose or when they do lose, I just, I get so, I almost just want to like, just cl- I didn't listen to the any radio the next day. I did not want to hear anybody talk about it. I didn't want to hear a thing. I needed a whole day just to digest it. And after Dubis's comments, it's it's kind of, I think I'm ready to finally release the takes. So, we're going to talk about the 2019-2020 season holistically. And we're going to talk about the roster. I um, For the bulk of that season, there were some tweaks along the way, like the Kyle Clifford edition, Jack Campbell, but we all know who we're going to talk about um, on this episode. But there is no better place to start, Ryan, than with the general manager of this team, one Kyle Dubas. Yesterday, Yesterday, Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, and Sheldon Keefe all got on a Zoom call to field questions from the media about the season that had just come to a close. If you haven't seen this, I highly recommend watching it. It is on YouTube. It's 52 minutes long. Ryan, yesterday was the first day where I started feeling concerned about... Kyle Dubas as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Why is why what about that long long 52 minutes? That that's a that's an episode. It is an episode. What yeah what happened in that to make you feel concerned? So one thing we've learned about Kyle Dubas especially since he's become the GM of the Maple Leafs is he's a player's GM. He's going to protect his guys. And one thing that I've always thought he has done a really good job of is sort of riding the, the, the wave, if you will, straddling the line of defending his guys, but also, um, being courteous to the media and being a, a professional with to the media and the fans and, like, hearing out, like, fielding questions how no matter how challenging they may be or, like, a take from a fan that no matter how outlandish, like, just being, like, a pro. I do not think he had his best outing yesterday. I thought he came off snarky. I thought he came off arrogant, and I thought he came out off just flat out embarrassing. There are three quotes that I have cherry picked from this, which I can which I am going to use as examples of the three terms I just used to describe Kyle Dubas. Would you like to hear them? Yeah, and before you 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 go on, I just think it was just outright defensive yes like just defensive you know what happens when someone's extremely defensive They're feeling the pressure feels some guilt yes. and some pressure and some and just feel the need to say what they need to say to get people off their back I thought yeah I just thought he 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 didn't come off very well yesterday I thought, yeah, he came off defensive and he came off like, like an idiot. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's, I don't know what, what other way to say it. Like I was. All right, let, let, let's hear the quotes. Okay. Let's see what he got here. Okay. So anyone who's followed the Leafs on social media since Sunday night and quite frankly, since game one of the series, actually, no, quite frankly, since last off season, when he was in contract negotiations is well aware of the amount of heat Mitch Marner has been taking. Us on this show have gone after Marner a couple of times for performances. And why Why is that, Ryan? The, the contract? Exactly. I'd say um, ever since he signed the contract, I'd say 80% contract, like 20% just flat out the guy's talented enough to be that good. But I'd say the contract. Exactly. So... Kyle Dubas was asked about Mitch Marner yesterday, and one of the terms I used to describe him earlier was snarky. So this is my example of that. He says, quote, I don't get the criticism of Mitch Marner one bit. I really struggle with it. He's a guy that plays his ass off every night, has got tremendous skill, tremendous intensity, plays every situation for us, makes a ton of plays, and everything he does wrong, people jump all over him about it. I don't know how or why it's that way. It's among the most idiotic things I see done here. Now, let me remind you that... Dubis said this not very long after Marner himself had said he was, quote, not engaged at all during game one of the series. Yeah, I think what Marner said, not engaged at all, I think people took that a little out of context. What, what I got out of it was he wasn't saying he wasn't into the game. I just think he meant I was just so bad that... I could have been more engaged with the physical play. I don't think he was like, I wasn't engaged. I think people took that a little out of context. It doesn't sound good hearing a guy who makes that much money supposed to be that important to your team at a playoff series, say that. But it, I took it as like, I was awful and I was not engaged. And I should have been more engaged like in the physical play and like shift by shift. Your thoughts on Deuce's remarks. But, like, Kyle Dubas, man, like, do you realize there's no one to blame but yourself? thank you. Buddy? Like, what is he, what, why do you think he gets so much criticism? Yeah. Because you paid him like a legend. Like a absolute legend. And when you... Pay a guy that much, that's pressure, and pressure comes with expectation. And when a guy is not capable of reaching an expectation, not because he's not a good player or a great player. I agree I agree with everything he said about Mitch Marner. The guy does make plays, he does play in every situation, he does have the puck a lot. He always, he does back check. Like I agree with everything he said. Mitch Marner's a phenomenal hockey player, but you put a unrealistic expectation on him by paying him way more than he's worth. And whether that's fair to Dubas or not, it's just the way it is, man. You look around the league, there's guys who are way better than Marner, way more productive, and offer more, and make significantly less money than he does. So, you have no one to blame but yourself for this city getting on this guy. Because we expect him to be... A game breaker, a difference maker, uh, a guy who has the potential to break a game every single night because that's what you pay him to do. But it's pretty unfair to the player when he's maybe not be able to do that every night. And but you've put yourself in a position where he has to do that every night because of the money you you were talking about, like just gets destroyed because it's just it's too much. And I don't know if you heard him later on Tim and Sid, but he emphatically said trading Mitch Marner is not going to happen. So, like, I'm not, like, listen, I've gotten emotional in the past and said they should consider it, but realistically, I think we all knew that wasn't going to happen. No. Yes. No, I did not, I don't expect that to happen, and... To be honest with you, I don't know how much you would get for the guy, anyways. Oh, on that ticket? Oh no. On that yeah. ticket for what he provides. Yeah. It it's the guy's a hell of a hockey player, man. He's if he if he really played a great 82 every year, he's probably he's a 90-point guy. He's an elite point getter. But you can't expect us to to not get on the guy when he admits in game one that he just wasn't engaged and he wasn't very good. And doesn't and it's, and, and like our doesn't he is the definition of of the problem with the Leafs in the postseason? Like not adjusting to quote unquote playoff hockey, like skating around the offensive zone looking for the perfect pass and the beauty setup. It's like, dude, your season is on the line. Like we don't we don't have time for this. So I think just that's small, where the heat man. comes from. Yeah. Just a small dude who who can't make a giant impact unless he has all the things going, which he's capable of doing. But it's just, what other quotes do you have before I get too ahead of myself? The, um, the second word I used to describe Kyle Dubas was arrogant. This quote I'm about to read is coming from Justin Cuthbert on Twitter, who's a great follow, by the way. Highly recommend following him. Dubas says, so talking about Cody CeCe, I should tee this up a little better. So asked about Cody CeCe, okay? We all know how this city feels about Cody CeCe, all right? So asked about said defenseman. Dubas says, I know he's much maligned at times, and he certainly doesn't have the same levels of puck skill but the value we place on defensemen and within the metrics we use, he's looked at far differently. More data would point towards his value. So, you, Ryan, the educated hockey fan, are an idiot, and all those giveaways and turnovers you saw were a mirage. And if you had the internal data that Kyle Dubas has... You we'd we'd see a totally different game night in and night out. Yeah, you're right. That's just flat out arrogant. I'm after sorry. Put it what? like that. What? This guy needs a wake-up call yeah. and realize that you're putting guys in positions that they can't succeed this in. This is what I'm talking about, Ryan. This is what I when I said earlier that I'm concerned. It's a quote like that. It's like, dude, are you? kidding me he was awful night in and night out like sure he had the game here and there where he wasn't bad but like he's he's a sixth defenseman exactly if that, yeah if that and you're sitting here telling us that we're all stupid because we don't have the metrics that you have but I just I find the whole thing delusional it's like okay use your metrics that's fine I'm sure if you look at some part of his game the way whatever lens you want to look through he is a serviceable defenseman. He can't play on a top six. He can't do some good. But you put him in a position that he can't succeed in. Yep. That's on you. Yep. That's not on him. Do I know we watch games and we talk about how this guy's awful, and I, I rag on Nylander. I almost get personal with the guy sometimes, and I kind of feel bad about it. I don't want to be a, a dick to these guys. I know these guys are just going out and trying – Trying hard, and they're they might not be the most skilled guys, but when you put people in positions they can't succeed in, like that, that's they're gonna get criticized, especially in this city, in this market, on this team. And is Cody CC a, a, a minor? Is Cody CeCe Marty Morinson? No, he's not. But it's oh, man, I think it's I when think you put it's put him on the top 1A, pair right. and try to get him to to support Morgan Riley. It's like, dude, you're putting him in a bad spot. Yep. Yep. And that's because everything you've done, every move you've made to build this team has affected him playing in that spot. He has to play in that spot because there's no other option. Yep, And that's why people get on him. But we don't have the metrics, Ryan.
1: What metrics? Yeah, like exactly.
0: what you I t- Oh, I know. I know. I know. It's brutal. This is what I'm saying. Cool. Like, like, yeah, he makes an odd good for... You, I'm sure the metrics are... He backs up well when the puck's dumped in. Like, what metrics, man? You, like, what are you talking about? You basically insulted your fan base yesterday with that comment. You basically said that anyone who watches the games and doesn't like Cody CeCe as a hockey player, you're an idiot. Because you don't have the chart that I have on my iPad here that says he actually is a good player. I think every th- at these two codes so far, I think... All oh, my five. Don't worry. The third one coming up is my best one. All right, go, one. just go for that one then. Let's not get too deep. But I want to hear this one now. So this is a short one. The third term I used to describe Kyle Dubas yesterday, embarrassing. With respect to Tyson Berry having one of the worst seasons in Maple Leaf history, he says, "quote." The lesson I take from that is better aiding players with their adjustment into the organization. Ryan, when you start a corporate job, okay, you get hired at a big company. You go through an onboarding process. And it's a couple of days where you don't actually do your job. You go in with other people who have been hired and you learn about the company and what they stand for and all the protocols and blah, 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 blah. So... Tyson Berry, grown-ass man, veteran NHL defenseman, stunk for an entire season because we didn't make him feel good as a Maple Leaf. Again, which is on him. Yes. If that's his take, Rob Tyson, Baird, that was... The the, One of the, the the worst the worst traded Maple in, in the history yeah. of the franchise. Yeah, man. the worst trade in Maple Leaf history. Nazem Kadri scores the first and the game winning goal for the Colorado Avalanche on the power play yep. yesterday. Yep, seven shots. And I know Nazem got tossed out for two straight series, but man, like you gotta look back on that and like I don't even know what to say. Like that's just it's it's the worst. It's the worst trade. Man. Yeah. yeah, it's the worst trade in Leaf history. Like, like, by far. And so... I think... Go ahead. No, go ahead. So, here's what I... Here's what I want everyone to take from these three quotes. And there's a reason why I chose these, these three specifically. This is proof that Kyle Dubis is getting upset and reading what is being said about him on social media and in the actual media online. And... That's concerning to me. You can't do that. You can't. That's why he came in to this thing yesterday so defensive. Because he is following and is aware of what everyone is saying about him and his team. And he's getting upset and having a little wham-wham about it. And that's concerning. That tells me that your head is not in the right place. And it tells me that you're getting defensive. And so you're defending things like Cody Cece when it's just... There's no grounds to defend that guy's play. Like, the, there's... I don't understand how you can watch that guy night in and night out and then turn around and tell me that I don't have proper metrics. So, to me, that response tells me that you... All you're interested in here is defending decisions you've made. Same thing with the Tyson Berry quote, uh, quote. We just said it. Barry Kadri for Barry and Kerfoot is one of the worst trades in Leaf history. And... He knows that that's what people like us are saying on social media, and that's what the Jonas Seagulls and the James Myrtles and everybody who covers the team might be saying. I don't know if those guys specifically are saying it. Probably not. But people who cover the team in the media are calling into question some of the moves he's made. And he's aware of it. So to me, that's concerning. I feel like your job in that position is you can't be over-emotional. You can't be a fan, okay? Like we... Can, uh watch a game and we come on off. Like the last episode we had, I, I re-listened to it. I sounded like an idiot because I was just so pissed that they lost that game and I was kind of at a loss for words. I couldn't believe that they lost. And when you're a general manager in this league, you can't be like that. You can't be over-emotional either on a good side or a bad side. Do I want – if I'm going to have an honest conversation with Kyle Dubas, does he need to go into that press conference and and go the complete opposite way and be like – oh, this team, like, the sky's falling, this team's awful. Like, no, he needs to have some optimism. Exactly. I get it. Exactly. And, dude, I don't think anyone expected him to get on there yesterday and go, this team sucks, we've got to trade one of the core, we've got to do something. Like, no one expected him to do that, like, to run anyone over with the bus, okay? but Yeah. But he's, there's nothing wrong with coming out and saying, we need to make some changes, this isn't good enough. Right? But he didn't do that, man. He didn't. Like, he doubled down on their philosophy and said, we believe in what we're doing. And all he did was point to inconsistency. And it's like, the team is inconsistent because your that's defense a huge is awful. Problem. Yeah. That's not just, a, oh, if we fix the inconsistencies, that's a huge problem. Yeah. And your team is that's inconsistent. one of the biggest problems a team could have. Exactly. Your blue line is awful. Like, you, like, I, I I don't know what to tell you, man. So, like, just, I, it was concerning. And I got, the only guy yesterday who made me feel good was Brendan Shanahan because he was saying things like, we've taken a step back, we need to get heavier, we need to get tougher to play against, blah, blah, blah. But Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas both were just like, no, we got skilled players and we we believe in this philosophy and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, guys, like, your fan base is so upset. Like this yeah, is the time. Where, this is a yeah. this is a failure. Yes, it is a failure, and it, it's it's been a failure. This core has been a failure. Yes, yes. There's no two ways about it. There's no hopping around it. I, you can look at the metrics all you want, and I'm sure if you look at um, any metric stat, offensive, defensive, you can make a case that this team could have won a round or two. They have the talent. They have the skill. But the fact of the matter is they have not. Yep. And it's a failure. Yep. And I would love, oh, I would love to just lock Brendan Shanahan in a room and just inject him with truth serum and be like, let's go. Let's yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah. Let's sh- lay all the cards on the table because I want to know how you feel and if you regret any decision you made in the past because I, I just – I, I I don't know what they're good at. Like the, Kyle Dubas needs to wake up, look himself in the mirror, and be like, I can look at all the stats I want. Fact of the matter is, if you compare my defense core to any other top team's defense core in this league, it's not even close. Exactly. Like it's, it's not even close. Exactly. And, and you can try to convince yourself that these guys do good things on the ice. And I'm sure if you nitpick, you, you can find some stuff. But the fact of the matter is, if you compare them to... The Boston Bruins or the St. Louis Blues or even the Columbus Blue Jackets. The defense core is just flat out not talented enough. It is not. You cannot win a thing in this league until you address that situation. But your problem is that you screwed this team. Yep. Every which way, by destroying your salary cap, yeah. by paying guys way too much, and falling in love with players. So, you had to keep them here. And I love these guys, too. Like, we drafted these guys. We were stoked, man. But it, you just you screwed it. He yeah. screwed it up. And yeah. now, he's going to point out everything he needs to point out to try to defend himself. Because he knows he's screwed. So That's the way I see it. Elliot Friedman, I highly recommend everybody go and listen to the latest 31 Thoughts podcast. The first like 10, 15 minutes, they talk solely Leafs and it's amazing. Elliot Friedman said flat out that he thinks that if Dubas had his way, he would run it back next year with this same group, but then quotes Mike Tyson and says, Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And the Leafs got punched in the face and if they do run it back and if they do have another result like this, Dubis is gone. So he's in, he's in a situation now where he, he may not like it. He's got to do something, man. Or he will, he will not like, cool. Run it back next year. Run it back next year with Justin Hall as your number three defenseman. Let me know how that works out for you. Oh um, yeah, my Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta figure something out, but they just put themselves between a rock and a hard place. They yeah. can't go out and get anybody. They got to just hope that they can find these entry level gems to play on the back end or fill out the depth on the forwards. Well, he, and he was asked yesterday about like, do you think it's like feasible to win a championship with $40 million committed in four guys? And that was another thing he got a little testy about and doubled no, down. It's and not was possible. Like, yes, it right. hasn't been proven. What, I know. How, if he says yes, that is just complete bullshit to me because this guy, what evidence is there that that works? There's none. Nope. There's zero. Nope. There's no precedent whatsoever for that. Yep.
1: So, zero. Yeah,
0: take a look at the other teams currently playing right now. I just don't get... I, I look at the teams playing right now and I, I'm looking at their rosters and I, I don't want to attack any player personally here, but I don't understand... Why you needed to pay William Nylander seven million dollars to play on your hockey team? What a waste of money! But this like, is, what a just complete waste. But this like, is what, what this is what we're we're learning about him, Ryan is, and this is what I, I another part that I'm finding concerning is he's he's a play, he wants to be liked by everybody. He wants to be everybody's best buddy. No, he he's, wants to be Billy Bean. That's yeah, what he, he wants to yes, do. Yes, he yes. wants to have he wants to be Moneyball, but in hockey, he yes. wants to be Billy. Bean. Yes. That's what he wants to do. He and d- guess what, buddy? It doesn't work in this league. You're d- in the wrong league. Yes. Yes. It's not going to work. Yes. It hasn't worked. Yes. And I know for a fact, if you run it back, it's not going to work again. And Brendan Shanahan better step in, man. Yep. He better because this is not good. And I, even if he does step in, I, I just don't understand don't see what they could possibly do. They're going to have to make a huge move. Yes, I know. That's the only way they could upgrade what they need to upgrade is to make a huge move. Well, let's let's get into talking about that now. We talked about Dubas enough. So, just just as a closing note on Kyle Dubas, I did find his demeanor and answers concerning yesterday, but I do think he was emotional and I think he was trying to defend his players. So, I think to Elliot Friedman's point, he knows something's got to change and They have to find a way to make it happen. He's got to find a way to make it happen. The cap is not moving at all. So he's got to find a way to work within that. He kept saying yesterday that their cap situation is not as bad as everyone thinks it is. And it's like, okay, whatever you say, bro. Yeah. Okay, bud. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just just tie up all your money and all the guys who play the exact same game. Cool. Thanks, man. So let's move into the actual team. So, another year, another disappointment, Um, another season of talking about things like effort, and grit, and jam, and what's another word for like toughness? Bite. That's that's the one they were saying on the radio. Sandpaper. Yes, sandpaper. Yes. So, a couple of things I want to talk about here. First thing is is exactly that, like the the demeanor of the team. So I didn't want to turn this into the episode of quotes, but through all the player um, interviews yesterday, there was one quote that really stood out to me, and it came from Jake Muzzin. And I want to read this to you, and I want to get your take on it. He says, quote, If we're not learning from this, we're really losing. I hope guys understand that we've got to dig into the next level, and that'll bring this team further along. The will to win has to burn a little hotter. Once we find that, we'll be dangerous. What's your take Again, on that? in theory, nice little quote. Good little quote that can get you feeling better and more optimistic. I I just, I don't think, they might learn from this, but I just don't think they are a group that can, can succeed. I just think they're too... I I like. Do not think you want to come that. on this episode and be repetitive. I feel like I'm repetitive a lot with the way I speak about them in terms of they have too many skilled guys. But the fa- it's the it's the fact of the matter. Like that's what it is, man. I'm watching Marner. and I'm watching Nylander out there. Two incredibly skilled hockey players who can score a lot of points and add a lot of scoring depth and and do some stuff for your team. But the fact of the matter is that. On a successful hockey team in 2020 in the National Hockey League, you need some diversity. You need some different type of players. Why did we have to fall in love with two guys who are not physical, who cannot bring anything else to the game other than their goal scoring ability? Actually, I'll I'll cut Marner at break. At least he's on the PK, but like, I'm watching William Nylander out there. I'm like, this guy's a hell of a talent, hell of a talent. I would like him too if I saw him skate around and practice and shoot some pucks. But I just, I don't get why this guy has to fill out a roster spot with so much money just to, to give you some scoring that you already have. It's just flawed. It's it's no good. And you're watching Casper E. Kapanen. He's got some bitey forechecks, but at the end of the day, all this guy does is get the odd breakaway. And it's just, it's too repetitive. There's too many guys playing the same game. Do you not think making too much money. Do you not think those Muzzin quotes though stem from things he might he may have seen in the room with like the way guys go about things. Like, this is a guy who played cup. with some veterans yeah. when he won those cups. Yeah, right. He played with Anze Kopitar, who's just a well rounded animal, and Jeff Carter, who's just a big boy who could put the puck in the neck. I just I think he's seen what that leadership of his cup team had. And you're just looking at these guys and it's like, they just, ah, they don't have it. And as it, maybe they do have it in them, but maybe as a group after four missed, uh, first rounds, maybe they just can't do it together. So how about that point? Like, I, I don't know. I just, so here's the thing. Okay. So you've done a really good job of outlining the, uh, The issues with the salary cap. Okay? So, there's three things wrong with this team. Right? First and foremost, we talked about it ad nauseum. The blue line. The blue line is brutal. It's just, it's Morgan Riley. It's Jake Muzzin. And that's about it. And if we want to be nice, they're not brutal. They're just not a, a unit that's going to get you anywhere in this league. Yes. Yes. If you want to be nice. Okay, fine. I'll be nice. It's Morgan Riley, it's Jake Muzzin, and it's a bunch of fives and sixes. They need to fix the blue line. Now, because of their cap situation, it's got to be money in, money out. So, you look at the core, okay? Austin Matthews is the franchise. He's not going anywhere. John Tavares was just named the captain of the team. And, quite honestly, at his age and at that ticket, I don't think anybody's going to take him. So, Austin Matthews and John Tavares aren't going anywhere. Kyle Dubas said on Tim and Sid yesterday that Mitch Marner's not going anywhere. So, that leaves one of the big four up front that you can potentially move... To improve your blue line. To make a significant addition to your blue line. And I'm sorry, William Nylander fans. But that's just the fact. Like, you, you may not like it, but I'm only saying this because, like Dubis said yesterday, it's not happening with respect to trading Marner. So that leaves only one major asset left up front that you can move out to fix your blue line. Also, Ryan, I don't think trading Morgan Riley is out of the picture. I don't think I would I would look at every option at this point. Uh, yes. And so every option. So that's the first point is they have to improve the blue line and to get a the, the type of defenseman they're hoping to get, they have to trade an asset and right now all signs point to that asset being William Nylander. The second point I want to make is this farce that this team has such depth. We saw in game five, when they loaded up the first line, what happened to the rest of the lineup? Nothing. So, it's time to look at moving your Andreas Janssens, your Kasperi Capitans. To see what you can get back for them. And do I think you're going to get some huge mega star back for them? No, of course not. But it's all about changing the DNA on this team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And Ryan, I, I'm i going to throw something out at you right now, and you're not going to like it, but I'm going to throw it at you. A huge mistake that Kyle Dubis made was he did not deal Kapanen and Janssen last year. Kapanen and Janssen's value was so much higher last year. But because we waited a year and re-signed them because we had to have them back. Yeah, we fall in love with our players. Kasperi Kapanen has now been exposed as a guy who can't play in the top six. And Andreas Janssen has now been exposed as a guy who can't stay healthy. So the time to look at potentially trading Zach Hyman is now. Before he commands too much money, and while his value is at an all-time high, I'd be selling everyone at this point, yeah. man. I'm not in love. One thing I am learning, and I learned this from the even the the successful Blue Jays teams, is you can't fall in love with anybody. No, nope. you got to pick one guy who's your franchise, right there, and maybe another guy to ride with them. This fan base has a real problem with falling in love with guys. Dude, this city has a real problem with falling in love with people. Yeah. And it turns out the general manager has a serious problem with falling in love with his players. Yeah. Casper Capitan has some serious intangibles and has some serious skills. He is so fast, and he can put the puck in the net. But maybe there's something... Like, at the end of the day, he's just a fringe top six forward. And what you need to do is try and move Kapanen and Janssen out and bring in guys who are maybe sort of in that same position, like a bottom six guy, but bring more of a, of a, bring a different element. Like are like you tougher don't need to, go to play out and against. Get a guy who's going to just drop the mitts all the time. No, no, That's but, not what we're saying. No, like, but are, just a guy who's tougher just, to play against. Yes, somebody who could just maybe make. Maybe they'll come in and they'll be the same. Who knows? Yes, yes. but at this point, you got to start throwing crap at the wall. Yeah, because yes. you got to find out a way. Because nothing's changing in terms of your top players. They have to be better, and there's going to be more expectation on them. But like you gotta start throwing stuff at the wall at this point in terms of filling out the rest of your roster because it's pretty clear that this group just can't do it. No. So and just try it, man. Another guy too, like another guy too, who I think it you could you should potentially look at moving is Kerfoot. Like you just Thanks, man. Thanks for an okay year, but like let let's let's try and get another guy in that three C position. Who's on a good? Another contract. guy who I would consider moving as well, and I know a lot of people won't like this is Nick Robertson. Oh boy, I don't know about that. I would I if I could get something, if I can get something on my back end that I think could help me, I'd move him in a heartbeat. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what this guy is. Yeah, if he's a couple dangled, good games. Yeah, if somebody dangled a really enticing, but Robertson's appealing, Ryan, because he's a guy that you can plug into your lineup for cheap, who you hope can help. Yeah, exactly. You. Yes. No, I agree, but I just mean if the guy. Say he's in that captain position where he he has two good two more good like entry level years or whatever, and you, you kind of feel like he could be make the next step or whatever. Like you got to think about moving a guy like that. Like that that's the type of player we're talking about here. And I, I and the guy that we we, we kind of went lost in this whole thing is there's a lot of pressure on like Rasmus Sandin. Yeah and any other defenseman that they draft in the future. Like, yep. they better hope this guy pans out into something. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because I, I'm a big fan of, like, I, I went to high school with Travis Dermott. Like, he was a year younger than me. And I, I, I love him because he's a new market guy. But, like, he just hasn't um, hit that level where he we think he's capable of yet. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of pressure on a guy like him to, to get better next season, but yep. do I think that's going to happen? Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get He's another better. guy too, that you could potentially move. It's it. Like I said, like I think anyone who's in like a bottom six role, um, or like a, on the blue line, that's not named Muzzin because I don't think Riley's necessarily safe either. Like if you could get something back, for Morgan Riley, because contracts coming up exactly, Ryan. and he's gonna want like seven million plus. So he's got a he's got a contract negotiation yes, coming up. Yes. So that that's a big decision. Yes, exactly. You're gonna have to make a big commitment to him, or you're gonna have to see what else he could do. I don't. I what? just think that guy needs. But at the end of day, like in my personal opinion, I just think he needs more support. On the back end, yes, yes. If you could get him an actual partner to play, well, but Ryan, no. What What are you talking about? He had a good partner. We don't have the metrics, right? We're idiots, and all those turnovers and point shots that went seventy eight feet wide of the net—that never happened because we don't have the metrics. And this is why this this Nylander contract just pisses me off. It, it's. Here's 7 million on the most one-dimensional hockey player you've ever seen in your entire well, life. And now we got to debate paying Morgan Riley a certain amount of money because we handed money to the to, to a just a north south hockey player. Well, I don't think I don't think he's going to be here next year, Ryan. And so Here's my theory on William Nylander, okay? I think because of all the heat he took last year for sitting out part of the season, like holding out, there's there's a segment of a fan base that feels like they always need to come to his rescue and always need to, just every chance to justify that he is a good hockey player. And no one's saying he's not. But he's, he is, like when you, it, him using David Pasternak as a, Comparable is a joke. It's an absolute yeah. disgrace. Yes, yes. It's a joke. It's it, It's a joke. But his, and, and again, I don't pretend to know all the details and the ins and outs, but what I have heard from listening to tons of sports radio and podcast in the last few days is the bulk of his money has been paid out via bonus, so his cap hit is actually lower than starting next year and so that's what makes his contract even more appealing. So I just I just don't see a scenario where if they really are serious about upgrading their blue line that he's still here next year. Like I just don't. I know in a perfect world like the the perfect scenario would be trade Nylander for Seth Jones. Like no, I know that's not going to happen. Everybody's dream, but honestly at this point, I I think so low of him on this team as just a piece of this team, not as a hockey player, but as a piece on this team, I think so low of him that I'm just, I'd be down just to get that cap hit off the books. And then that depth you were talking about earlier could potentially be added to because you'll have an extra whatever on the cap because I just, I just, you don't need him on this team. He's just a waste of of cap space to me. It's just a waste. What does he do? I, I just, oh. One like Marner gets paid too much money, okay. Yep. But at least you can watch the game tape, and I can almost agree with Dubas about what he said with how much he does. This guy is one of the best penalty killers in the NHL. In a full season of good Marner hockey, he's going to be a, pl- a ninety-plus guy. Well, he's do like he's- this. This like Nylander is just just the most one-dimensional hockey player I've ever seen in my entire life. I hope all the heat he's taking to like motivates him to come back and just light it up. Yeah, Mitch Marner to me is still like kind of an immature guy. But I, I see I see what Dubas sees in him. Like, I get it. It's just the way Duba said it and explained it just was totally off. Just terrible way of doing it. And it was your fault by putting that on him. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I just think they, they have a lot of, there better be more changes than going to sign just a, a, a European defenseman one like I need to see more than that one guy I do think will be back next year is Jason Spezza um I if he he's all signs point to him being willing to sign another league minimum deal and he was saying after um the the game ended on Sunday and then again yesterday that the fire still burns and putting on like and just saying all the right stuff like putting on this uniform is special to me I love being a Toronto Maple Leaf blah, blah blah and all you heard all year was that he was beloved by his teammates and then he does the thing in game four where he drops the mitts and like I I definitely see Jason Spezza coming back next year yeah just a five, fourth line league minimum I I yeah fourth line I'm I am not so bring him back no I don't care one last uh One last individual we need to talk about, Ryan. The Leafs have one year left on Frederick Anderson's contract before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Now, I think the consensus when it comes to Freddie Anderson is he can't win the big game. You yourself said that after game five, and no one has defended Freddie Anderson more than you. So, here's the thing. I think they are in cap trouble. I think the cap is not going up. I think they have needs that need to be addressed ahead of their goaltending, like the blue line. So, I think you run it back next year with Freddie, let him play out the string, and then you go from there. Because if you move Freddie, who are you going to get? Matt Murray? I I don't... Goaltending is not a need until it's your biggest need. You know, like, you got to be careful with this. But you don't know what Freddie Anderson is going to command or want. And he might not be able to win a big game. But I I remember Vesa I remember... Uh, James Reimer, I remember Jonathan Bernier, and I'll take Freddie Anderson over them any day of the week. I think you have to do what you have to do in this league to have a half-decent goaltender. And and he can't win a big game, and I would love to see him make a big save and not let in a soft goal in a, in, in a critical moment. But I just, that's a real tough one, man. Even if I was the general manager of this team, I would have a hard time uh, trying to evaluate this situation, I'm having a hard time right now as a fan trying to evaluate it. It's it's very tricky. I think because a... I know because they don't have any developed goaltenders. No. They don't have uh, the kid who's behind Lundqvist. I can't remember his name or or the Samsonov behind Holtby in Washington. They, they don't have that. They don't have Elvis Merzlikens. They don't have a prospect. They they haven't drafted that position particularly well. What about ever? Joseph Wall. I just, that's a tough call. Casimir Kaskasuo. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I I can't even pretend to know what they should do with that. You're just going to have to play out the next season with him as your goalie and, and just try to take a stab at re-signing him unless the, the offer's just outrageous. In a perfect, at this point, I don't know why it would be outrageous because he's really proved nothing in his career. In a perfect world, you wouldn't be in the middle of a pandemic. The salary cap would be going up and you would have more um, room to maneuver and potentially look at making a trade or whatever. But the cap's not going up. You have him on a really affordable deal for one more year. I say I say, you run it back with him next year. And hopefully it's a, it'll be a contract year for him whether he signs with the Leafs or signs with another team after you hope that that motivates him to have the best year of his career. And that's what I think you do with Freddie Anderson next year. Yeah. I think I'm not worried about regular season Freddie. It's just, I'm worried about playoff Freddie, but man, it's, it's hard to find a goalie who can play 50 games in this league and and be good enough for your team to get a playoff spot. It's not easy when you don't have it. Ask the Philadelphia flyers what it's like to finally have a good goaltender. Oh yeah. Like ask them how that feels. Yep. You know why? Because they drafted a great goalie, which yep. the Leafs have not done. No. So it that's a, t- it's, uh, it's the weirdest position in sports to me. Yep. Because once you have a half decent guy, you, you kind of just forget about it. But when you don't have that guy, oh boy, you can't go anywhere. No. No, you can't go anywhere. So, they, man, they got they got a Brendan Shanahan has a lot of work to do, and he's got to get more involved and kind of see his vision through. And, and I don't know. I I just I don't think Kyle Dubis will change any philosophy or whatever. I think he wants to be uh the hockey version of Moneyball, and I just don't. I don't. I don't know what he's going to do. Well, if he wants to do that then he enjoy your final year as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's all I'm going to say. Like if you if you get I can't believe a year later we're having the same conversation. Well, this year's it they didn't even make the playoffs this year, when you think about it. I think this year was worse because they lo- they lost to a more beatable hockey team. Yes. Like yes. They they're a very good team. They 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 just beat the Tampa Bay Lightning and they went a million overtimes with them the, the other night. But dude, like that's a beatable hockey team. If you're a really good team in this league, you can beat that hockey team. Bunch of <sighs> a bunch of low, no name dudes making all making less under six million that play their role and um, buy into the system and get up for games and yeah, yeah, you, yeah. So I yeah, tell me you saw the slow mo video online of the Leafs draft lottery ball do like a like a rim. Roll around and then fall out before the Rangers ball went up and won. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> Somebody slowed it down and like zoomed in on it, and literally, it was like the reverse Kawhi Leonard. It was like it literally wow. rolled around the rim and then fell down, and the Rangers ball went up. I called that though. I've been telling people that he should go to the Rangers. That kid, and I'm happy. I'm happy he is. If- yeah, that's that's the biggest money-drawing oh, in that how, country. Man, how how stoked was he that he's not going to the Minnesota Wild or the Florida Panthers? And if they did rig that, I'm happy they rigged it because yeah. why wouldn't you want to send a good, the best prospect to your most profitable American team? Yeah, hundred like, percent, especially in a league that has no fans. <sighs> well, Ryan, so ends the. 2019-2020 Toronto Maple Leaf season, man. What a ride it was. I mean, we, like, think about all the things that happened since last October. And, like, not to mention the pause because of the pandemic and then resuming with this tournament. And, like, it's just, I can't believe, like, w- what a ride this has been. It's Unbelievable yeah it's it was yeah, but sadly, it all ends the same way, and as we sit here, like we still don't know when next season's gonna start like all all signs are pointing to like a december january start, like I've heard Batman kick around the idea of the season kicking off with the winter classic, which would actually be kind of cool um but yeah, we don't. We we don't really know when next season is gonna begin. Well, we're going to find out at some point. Yes, we are. Crazy, hope crazy, that crazy there's, Things are going to change. It's gonna be a wild off season and we'll we'll be around. I don't know if we're gonna keep doing the uh the episodes weekly. If there's massive leaf related news, we'll be sure to jump on and give our take on it as soon as we possibly can. But, um, just want to say thanks to everybody for downloading and like, thanks for sticking with us. It's, it's awesome. Like we get a lot of great feedback on our Instagram and like, I, I really, I really have fun doing this. And like, I just, just want to say thanks to everyone who supports. Like it's, it's, it's a really fun thing to do. So thank you. Yeah. I wish the, the post pints lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, but... I know that's two years in a row. We've been jobbed out of doing postseason pints. Yeah. sad, man. Anyways, we will either see you when somebody gets traded or we will see you at the beginning of training camp ahead of next season. Thank you, everybody. See you then. Hey, listeners. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome (laughs) dirtbag murderers. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us. And the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag in Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Cundell from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts.